0: We are going to be continuing to read from Luke chapter 24 today. Today, we are continuing on in our journey, which we'll talk about in a second. But here's the word from Luke chapter 24, verses 28 and through 35. As the disciples on their way to Emmaus came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them and he was at the table with them. He took bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us and that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them and the breaking of the bread, the word of the Lord. This text, Uh, is a continuation. We've been working through Luke chapter 24 and our Easter series, uh, which we've titled uh, Make Your Own Headlines. Uh, What we started with on Easter is we talked about what on earth is it to call this good news? If you've heard anybody use the word gospel, uh, that's literally what it is, the good news that's being announced. What is that good news? And each of us have been in the midst of probably being struggling with the news of our own era, uh, struggling with feeling like it's pessimistic it feels like everything's falling apart but what is it to proclaim good news in the world Uh, and how can we not live in the same things we complain about where the only things we announce are bad news and destruction despair sadness so we we started on easter asking well what on earth is good news about jesus's death and resurrection and last week we we looked at investigating the stories around us where jesus kind of like undercover boss style shows up to some disciples on the road and uh, they don't know who he is. And they're like, Hey, what, what are you sad about? What's going on? And last week we heard from these disciples that they were feeling so sad because they thought their hopes had been defeated, that they had hoped that Jesus might restore Israel and they might overthrow the oppressors, but they crucified him. And what now? And so Jesus ends the story that we read last week, teaching them about Scripture, saying, hey, here's how Scripture points to what has happened and what is going to happen. And something in the midst of that section, before we get to today's section, uh, there began to be some hope for those disciples. As Jesus is teaching them, they start to linger and to long for maybe there might be some hope. And once you have a little taste of hope, you want to hold on to it. You don't want to let it go. And so in our story, uh, Luke writes that as they came near the village of Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, to which they were going, Jesus started to walk on ahead as if he were going on. And that isn't exactly what those disciples want in that moment. And it's kind of interesting because it's like they're reading body language. Or like Jesus didn't say to them, hey, I'm, I'm leaving, bye. But he just starts kind of like distancing himself. He's like, yeah, I'm going to keep going. And maybe in our own like pandemic world, you've kind of noticed body language in a new way. Like when you had masks in front of mouths and you have to discern what are the eyes doing? What's the body doing? And maybe you really wanted to keep some distance at some point, And you had a close talker who kept getting closer to you and you kept Trying to get your distance. So you're reading body language of like, does this person want to be here or not? And so the disciples, they really want Jesus, they don't know he's Jesus yet. They really want this guy, this stranger that they thought was oblivious to everything, to turned out he knew everything, to stay. Please just stay. And so they read his body language, he feels like he's about to disappear, and they want to just hold on. Hey, you know. It's getting late, you know. Maybe you should just stay. Do you want to just stay with us? You know, it's, it's getting dark. It's not a good time. Um, please just stay with us for the evening. The day is nearly over. So I said, Jesus stayed with them. I, we don't get much else about Jesus' body language in that moment or what he's doing or thinking, but he accepts their request I'll just stay with you for a little bit of time. I think all of us know this anxiety about wanting to hold on to someone or something that we think is about to leave, that's about to disappear from our lives. You know, uh, on a fun plane, I remember my dogs growing up when their dog parents, my parents, you know, when they would leave and the dogs would howl, it wasn't like barking, it was just like that sad howling sound. And that's fine if you're not in the house. But if you're in the house, especially if it's early in the morning and there's just sad, sad howling, I miss my parents come back, but you can be there. It doesn't matter. The anxiety is over the one person or the two people that they want most. They're gone. If maybe some mothers know the feeling of what it's like to have kids who won't allow them to leave their presence for two seconds. Like, oh, no, why are you leaving the room? Where did you go? The world's falling apart. Don't leave me. And we think about these kind of like exaggerated moments where we know where people long for somebody and they need something. Uh, But we live this into our adult lives, sometimes in small ways, sometimes into more exaggerated ways that cause us some trouble in the world. Um, They they actually have a disorder that they call um, dependent personality disorder where someone gets so fixated on a person or maybe a few people, where they feel like they don't have the power to survive on their own. They need the other person's input, their their like validation. Like, hey, what should I do with my life? What should I wear? Where should I go work? Like, I, I can't make this decision on my own. Please make it for me. And so there becomes that neediness because it's like, I need you to be here. You can't walk out on me because I need you. And so I need you always. And wherever we're on that spectrum, I know that there's moments where you thought, I wish I could just hold on to this moment, this place, this person. Just stay with me a little while longer. And that's where these disciples are. And they ask Jesus to stay, and he stays the night. And, he's, and they've got dinner ready, because it's that time of night. And they've got the table set out. Jesus gets up, he takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it. And he gave it to them. And something about this moment uh, opens their eyes. We don't know necessarily whether these disciples who were on their way to Emmaus were there for Jesus' Last Supper, because it's clearly meant to be echoing and reminiscent of Jesus in the Last Supper and the breaking of bread and, and what we kind of see when we do communion. But Jesus is in the midst of doing that. He doesn't have to say who he is, he's just breaking the bread, handing it to them, that they realize, wait a minute, it's Jesus. And they have this aha moment, and at the same time, Jesus is gone. That's such a weird image to sit with in our lives, of like the moment that they realize they have Jesus with them, they've been walking on this journey, they've gone from thinking he's this weird stranger who doesn't have a clue what's going on, so wow, he's a good teacher. Man, I want to stay with this guy. So how did we not see that it was Jesus? They finally get to that moment. It's Jesus. And then he's just gone. I don't think any of us would be too thrilled to have that feeling. Because I think we would want to be like those people on the way to Emmaus, where we're like, just stay with me for a little while. I finally realized what's in front of me, and then it's just ripped out. And so you can imagine what emotions you'd be going through, what you'd be thinking about. Be like, what? You know, it's to go back to last week's metaphor, with the undercover boss show, you know, like he's taken the wig off. It's like, by the way, I'm CEO. Uh, you've been working with this whole time. It's Jesus. And then there's no follow up. It just ends Story's over. And so the people are left with, well, what do we do with this? And I think there's something really meaningful in this story for us of what is it that we want to hold on to things in life and yet life just doesn't let us hold on. Time moves on, kids grow up, taste buds change, jobs change, your neighbors move, just life happens. And we have a whole lot of times where we just long for it just to stay still, even just for a night, just hold it here. And yet, sometimes even the moment when you realize that you're in the best moment of your life, it suddenly, it's just gone before you can think two moments about it. And so these disciples are left here with what do I do in this new moment? I've got some sort of good news, uh, because they started the story incredibly sad, and now something has changed their story. And so what I love in Luke is Luke says that they uh, said to each other, we're not our hearts burning within us. I love that they didn't say, didn't we talk about this? Weren't we saying something about Jesus? But there was something internal in themselves that said, I knew there was something different going on. They hadn't told anybody about it, but they had felt that something was different here. And so while he was talking to us on the road, we're not our hearts burning while we, he was opening up the scriptures. And so something in this moment is the kick that gets them on their journey. And stories they're talking about like the hero's journey, what gets you out the door to take the quest to change your life, change the world. Something about Jesus disappearing to them starts their journey where their lives aren't the same, what they've felt in their heart, suddenly they have to get external. And so it says that that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. If you remember, not that long ago, they were just saying, it's way too late to travel. Jesus, stay with us. It's already dark. There's not time to go anywhere else. Just, just stay with us. But then they realize it's Jesus and he's gone. And they're like, It's plenty early enough. I can make this journey. I've got to go talk to somebody. So what was burning in their hearts, they have to go and they have to physically go and tell somebody they've got to talk to somebody about what they've just experienced. So it didn't matter about the time they went and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. So they didn't go home and treasure this in their hearts. You know, we have some instances and stories of people being healed and they go home and they went about their way. Um, We have stories about like Mary treasuring and pondering these things in her heart. But their story is they were feeling some stuff in their heart. They experienced Jesus and they had to go tell somebody about it. They go and they find the 11 gathered together. And for the first time, if you remember, this is our third week where we're still on Easter Sunday. They finally say something about the Lord is risen. (laughs) And so they show up to the 11 and they said, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So we're finally to the spot where the disciples are starting to proclaim that something of hope, of life, of excitement has happened. The Lord has risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. Uh, We haven't actually encountered that story. (laughs) You know, Luke is telling us that just from afar, like off screen. We've been on the way to Emmaus. And so this is new news to the reader of the gospel. So they show up to the 11. They say, hey, by the way, Jesus showed up to Simon. Isn't this wonderful? And then the Emmaus disciples, the, way, the ones that were on their way, they told them what had happened to them on the road and how this had been made known to them through the breaking of bread. So we've got these disciples coming together, and they can't help but share what has happened in their lives. What happened today? It's very different than when they all left earlier and they're like, well, Jesus' body's missing. These women were telling us that something had happened. They thought it was idle tales. They thought nothing had happened that was good, but now they come together to share good news because it's now true and real to them. And I was thinking about what gets us from this place where good news is actually something we share Because a lot of us struggle with sharing sometimes, of like sharing things that matter to us. We kind of hold it in. We, wasn't our hearts burning about it? But what gets you from the burning heart to just wanting to just go tell anybody and everybody? And I was thinking about something that I'm sure each of us have in our own lives. You've got some sort of junk drawer at home, right? You've got a catch-all drawer of sorts. Maybe you can imagine where it is and what it is for your place, where it is in the house. You've got the spot where you get some extra things. You're not sure what to do with them. And that's the default. You just drop them in that spot. So I don't know what's in your junk drawer of, you know, rubber bands, pens, pencils, you got some stamps, a few odds and ends of batteries or or maybe you've got tape or you've got some old cables or power cords or all sorts of just odds and ends that just sit in this drawer, that for the most part goes untouched unless you throw some other thing into the drawer. And that drawer um, might be a good metaphor for us that we sometimes have spiritual junk drawers, that we acquire all sorts of the experiences that we we just tuck away. We're like, well, maybe this will be useful. But I don't really do anything with it. I'm just going to put it in this drawer, and it'll be a catch-all. And so you might have a spiritual junk drawer of a random, a bunch of scripture texts that you know some interesting facts about, um, like the story today on the road to Emmaus. You've got some things like, oh, I hadn't thought about that night they went, and and that's interesting because they said they didn't have time to go. Maybe your spiritual junk drawer, you got stories about like Jonah and like, oh, Nineveh. He went the opposite direction. You've got all these stories and these like facts and and you know, tidbits, and you've just got it stored away in a drawer somewhere. And for some people, maybe it's lyrics to hymns to worship songs. Maybe you don't find yourself musical, so you don't feel like you go about your life as a musical, just kind of singing out songs as you walk along. But you know, I've got so many lyrics stored away in my head. Maybe you've got whatever kind of church traditions of, hey, we've done things a certain way, and, and you know those things, and it's different for you versus somebody else, but you know those things. For some of us, maybe it's creeds, confessions, or even just the Lord's Prayer. Is the Lord's Prayer something that, again, for us, it may be a church tradition of you do that on Sunday, but it's filed away other than that moment of like, well, it's kind of interesting that I know those words, but when is that ever relevant or useful? So it just gets stored away in the drawer. And let me tell you, after like 10 years of college, Religious studies kinds of training. Like, it feels like you store a whole lot of stuff away. You're like, man, day to day, week to week, nobody's interested. When does this ever become relevant or useful? And so we all just kind of fill this spiritual junk drawer that just sits there. You're like, oh, didn't I, my heart feel warmed that one time? It was nice. I went and put it in a drawer because I was like, oh, this might be useful. And what's interesting is there's this difference between what's the junk drawer. And what's the possibility drawer? Because there's the hope of the junk drawer is like, there'll be a moment where I need to use this. Otherwise, I would just throw it away. But I still imagine there's a possible moment where I'm going to find my need. I'm going to need a rubber band. I'm going to need that one random battery. Maybe I'll have a device someday. I'll need that cord. And we think it's a possibility drawer, but it just stays a possibility drawer. And if we never actually take into that, live into those possibilities, if we never involve ourselves in ways that turn that thing from junk into possibilities, it just remains the junk drawer. And so I think about how many of us have been spiritual hoarders. We've learned a lot of things. We've experienced a lot of things. We've got a lot of great stuff tucked away in our lives. But when do we ever use it? When do we ever talk about it? When does it ever affect our daily life? When does it ever affect our relationships? When do we ever pull some stuff out? And what gets us out the door to get some stuff out and to talk about things? And so I think about how for many of us, those drawers just, they just go untouched. They're left for your kids to eventually one day throw out or take to a goodwill. And our spiritual children also, acquire stuff from us? What will they hold on to? What will they say? This was never relevant. This isn't useful. But when do we turn the things that warm our hearts into things that we actually celebrate and we say, I have some good news. I want you to hear a story. I can't help but tell you. You know what I just just experienced? I left there, I know what time it is. I know I arrived a little late, it's past dinner time. I know that you weren't expecting me, but I got to tell you what just happened. What gets us out of that door into the possibility that there actually is good news? What is it to show up? Not just with your good news where you're like, Hey, listen to this experience, but that you also listen to hear what other people have. And maybe they can open up their door and open up. This is something that I found really meaningful, and I just haven't found the right time to talk about it. And so they, Hey, listen, Simon just saw the risen Lord. That's wonderful. You know what, we just saw him too. You know, the 11 might be so like, isn't this so great, Simon saw the Lord, and maybe they closed off their ears. But do they have ears to listen to the the people on the road to Emmaus? Like, you know, you're thinking James and John are like, wait, he didn't show up to me yet. We get Simon, you know, he's bold, and, and maybe Jesus shows up to him, But these these disciples, Cleopas, why does Cleopas get to see Jesus? But everyone shows up to each other open to hear what God is doing in each other's lives. And I think that's the beauty of what the church can be, what the church should be, is that each of us can have our own warmed up experiences of God. You can read a Bible by yourself, you can listen to music by yourself. You can do all sorts of things by yourself, but it is so meaningful to find yourself in the opportunity to share, here's what God has done in my life. And I think you need to hear it because I think you need to hear that God can do this in your life. And I also want to take time to listen. What is God doing in your life? Share it. I'd love to hear what God has done for you And there's a beauty in living out faith together of having a few people on your road to Emmaus with you or a few people gathered uh, back in Jerusalem together of doing this faith together and not just by yourself of, of sharing in that experience. And so they took that opportunity to share, to listen. And what is it for us to take good news and not file it away in a junk drawer? Because what's the value in that good news if it's so good and so hopeful, and yet it just gets filed away and never gets shared? And so maybe today we might open up that, that spiritual drawer. You might find some times to talk through moments you've had, experiences you've had, things you've learned. Not hold on to everything tight, but just open it up. Find possibility, find uses, retell your story, retell God's story. And so maybe this week, the challenge is, is to do what the disciples do and find a time to have a meal with somebody, make a lunch reservation, breakfast, dinner. If you need a spot, Wednesday night's a good opportunity. We'd love to have you come talk at the cafe. Just find a time where you can tell a meaningful story of, Hey, here's something God has done in my life. It could be something recent. It could be something far in the past but don't just bury it and hide it, but let it out. Because in the midst of that, you might realize that, oh yeah, my heart was warmed when this happened. And in the midst of talking about it, in the midst of this meal, maybe I'll realize that God was here with me and that they might be warned by this experience, that we might realize in the midst of this meal that Jesus has been here the entire time And I've been going my whole day. God's been with me this whole time. But maybe just sitting here with somebody, sharing a meal, talking about my life and your life and what God has done might show me Jesus today. And don't hold on to that moment too tightly because that moment will pass by and it'll invite you to get up, go on your journey some more and find some other people to talk to. Not to just find that one moment and stay there forever, but to keep going on the journey, keep having meals with other folks, keep having conversations, and see Jesus in the midst of all of it. And that's what we're all invited to, to share that experience with other people, to listen, to speak, and then somehow in the midst of that meal, see Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we admit that there are times where we've held on to uh, the beauty of what you've done in our lives and we haven't shared it. We've felt maybe silly, we've felt embarrassed. Instead of sharing those things, we've, we've held on to them. And maybe we've held on to them so much that we've tucked them away where we don't even notice them anymore. We've put them in a drawer. we filed it away where we don't see it. Lord, I ask that you would just open our eyes today to, to re- be able to remember and to see how you have been at work in our lives. That we might see where you've been good to us. We might see where you've lifted us up where we've been in despair. Lord, give us your vision. Lord, I also ask that you might give us today the courage, the excitement, the energy where we want to go out and proclaim what you are doing in the world In a world where it's easy to talk about wars and pain, health crises would let us not end in sad news, but let us find where you're at in the midst of all of those moments. May we find you in the midst of our meals, our conversations. Lord, don't just warm our hearts, but warm our feet, our hands, our whole being. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.